and welcome to the Wolverhampton Arts and Culture Podcast, where we'll be exploring a cultural history, a show that's happening in the city alongside a creative voice in the city. And today's podcast is focused on our new exhibit in the art gallery called Brick Live, a fantasy kingdom that we've created in the gallery in Wolverhampton for everyone to see. It is an amazing show. It's full of different characters, different stories, and just amazing, amazing statues made out of bricks that are just so incredible to see. And I was so glad to be joined by Mogria Gray, who is a, as she calls it, a local geek who has set up these amazing geek meets in the city where different people who have a passion for different things in the city come together each month to meet and talk about their passions, share them, and some of them even dress up in cosplay, which sounds absolutely amazing. So we talked a little bit about that whilst exploring Brick Alive and discussing the story that we at the gallery have created to go with um, all the different characters that Brick Live has been able to create for us in the gallery. And we also touched upon Maria's own writing as well and her creative practice in creating these different stories in her published novels um, that she has created in these universes um, that she is completely created by herself and has started writing series of books. Just hearing more about the talent that is in Wolverhampton and the amazing cultural offer that is being um, created by these single creative voices in the city who are doing amazing things just like Maria is. So I'm so glad to be able to shine a light on her whilst also exploring Brick Live. Hi Maria, thank you for um, coming to the gallery to see Brick Live, our fantasy kingdom. Yeah. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, yeah I really appreciate it Georgina. So, so you are going to be the f one of the first people to kind of see Brick Live so um, it's quite exciting, so here we go. Let's do it. Welcome to our medieval banquet area. So this is, wow. this first area that you come into is pretty much the castle and everything you see. What do you think? I think this is absolutely incredible. Wow, it really, it's the, the griffin at the center of the room. That is just absolutely incredible, the amount of detail, it's unreal. Yeah, it really takes your eye, doesn't it? Yeah. Griffin, I think. Um, and I love that they've added the music in the wall. Yes. To kind of make you feel like you're in a... Yeah, it does take you into the story with the characters. It's, uh, and it's just the sheer detail. Uh, right now we're stood next to the Royal Castle um, bricks exhibit. And just to see it, all the various trees and the detailing on the building, it's, truly remarkable even the detailing with the river and how it's been done with the two layers of blue and then you've got the create the surface level which makes it look like it's flowing that is so so cool yeah and i love the dungeon as well oh gosh yeah, yeah you've got like a little dungeon yeah the just there well. it's so it's so great um i particularly really love is the banquet oh my gosh um yeah, that's just coming to view now it's gone like to so much detail <laughs> 
that there's even like wine yeah. in the um, like goblets. Yeah. Which I think is so cool. That is just amazing. Is that, um, is that a rat on the table as well? I see. I don't know, but. It looks like a rat. It, it would be within theme. Of the it certainly would be in a medieval. Um, you'd expect a rat to appear. Exactly. And we've got the crown jewels. Yes. In, um, Wolverhampton, which is always. That's always a treat, isn't it? Yeah, it really does feel like it's shiny, doesn't it? Mm. With everything. Yeah, and the amount of detail on that as well with the various bricks on there, it's just absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. And, and obviously, we mentioned it earlier, yeah. but there is a story mm. that brings you to kind of bring the characters to life. And in the first section, they, it is based in the castle. And I really do think coming in, you really do start to feel the characters mm. come to life with the king and the jester which um i think is so colorful yeah and the way that it's been done as well because the jester stood upside down and yet he's perfectly balanced and this is made completely out of bricks as well that is some achievement according to this this was just one builder it took him 100 yeah 120 hours to yeah, build that I know, 120 hours that's it's insane just, um do you like bricks and building things out of bricks and i used to when i was younger i used to do a lot of uh, brick making yeah. and so i was forever building garages and hotels and castles and i used to build like bases because i um, i'm one of my passions is wildlife conservation so i used to build like safari bases and stuff like that that's so cool yeah my son loves brick building and there's a lot of there's a lot of brick in my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've just noticed the swords as well. Yes. It's just the attention to detail to make this feel like you're in a medieval castle is so in tune. Yeah, and the wall effect as well with the stone that really adds to it. And you've got the banners as well, which are all made out of bricks, which just look absolutely extraordinary. So you've got the lion details, you've got the dragons. You've, it does feel like you've properly gone back. And then, of course, over there in the far corner, you've got the throne as well. Yeah, exactly. Our selfie. Our selfie throne. Selfie throne. Um, so, in the city, you like to call yourself a local geek. Yeah. What, what does that mean? A geek is someone who's very passionate about something. So, you've got your sci-fi geeks who are very passionate about sci-fi, obviously. You've got your anime geeks. You've got your Marvel geeks, DC geeks. So basically, just to be a geek just means there's something in your life that you are super enthusiastic about. You absolutely love it. You're not afraid to show that passion. And you've got the alternative as well, nerds. I think with nerds, nerds are more collectors. So it's people who love to buy the merch and for whatever series they love. But it is just to be either, to be either a geek or a nerd or a bit in between, because they're both interchangeable in a way, I guess and you, you can have both geeky and nerdy qualities in you. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, to be that way though, to be able to express yourself, no matter what interest it is, I mean, it's not just like, like the typical nerds and geeks, you've got your football geeks, you, you've got your classic car geeks, your classic car nerds, who they, it's just showing that passion and it's a great, it's a great way to express yourself. It brings out your inner confidence as well, just to, because you are just being you at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I think that's totally yes. true. Um, but you have set up a community for these, um, for the geek community in the area. I just, you set up these geek meets, which I think sounds amazing. 
um, and a really great way to keep the kind of communities mm -hmm. together and also just to meet each other. So how did these Geek Meets kind of come about? Why did you start setting them um, up? I initially set them up. I noticed that there was a lack of such activities in and around the West Midlands. There really wasn't that much variety or many meets happening. So I thought, all right, well, I'll set one up in Wolverhampton because geographically it's well-placed. We've got the train station, so that connects us to the north and the south with ease. It's easy enough to get from Birmingham to Wolverhampton on the metro. And it's the same with Coventry. It's quite easy to get to. And initially I went lucky and I couldn't find a venue. But then I dropped lucky on this cafe, which is near the market, which is Katie's Cakes. And it's mm. a local business. It's independently run. Uh, Katie, who runs it, she's absolutely amazing. Her staff are really accommodating. And so I set the first one up thinking, okay, I'll put it online. I advertised it and promoted it and said, you know, if you're, it's a geek meet. If you want to come, we'll talk geek and have fun. And I thought it would only be a couple of people who showed up because um, a couple of my best mates said, yeah, we'll come along. I thought, oh, that's all right. Then at least I could talk with them. Yeah, this just seems like your friends all together. Yeah. It seems nice. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we actually had over 20 show up. Uh, yeah. I think it was 22 we had show up for that first meet. It was all people who none of us knew each other. And by the end of it, you, you would have thought we'd known each other for years. We just had so much fun. And I said, right, let's do this regularly. So it became a once a month uh, thing that we do. And we, it just it kept growing and growing. So with each meet, we get around between 20 to 30 people, sometimes a bit more, show up at these meets. The uh, Christmas one we did in 2019, that was an absolute blast. We had a lot of people show up for that. And everyone, um, they were either wearing geeky T-shirts, they were wearing Christmas T-shirts, or they were in cosplay. Mm. So this is one thing we encourage is, um, is that we encourage people to dress up in cosplay. It's, yeah. You know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Some people don't feel confident enough to do it. But a lot of people do actually bring their cosplays out and they show off their new ones or their, it's their familiar outfits that they do. And we always get a diverse range of characters pop up, so you'll get Spider-Man having a talk with someone from Dragon Ball Z, you've got a couple of Power <laughs> Rangers there, and, you know, you like get a, one. Like a, you know, a whole yeah. kind of like multi-universe thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what cosplay allows you to do. Cosplay allows you to have some epic crossovers between universes that wouldn't, ordinarily wouldn't meet. I bet that's always loads of fun. And how are you guys kind of like, obviously, with lockdown and everything, you haven't been able to go out and do cosplay and I know you've been keeping up these geek meets coming like online and keeping the community kind of together how important do you think that's been to make sure that the community stays together during lockdown I think it's very important because with lockdown a lot of people have been very isolated especially if they've been in the high risk categories they haven't been able to go out for several months last year and it was a no-brainer when we got put into lockdown to take the meets online initially we did it via Facebook Messenger but then we switched to a site called Jitsi, which allows its free video calling. And we've been on there ever since. So instead of doing it as a monthly thing, we do it as a weekly thing. And throughout the lockdown, we shifted the date depending on what people were doing. So originally it was during the week. And then as people started to go back to work, we moved it to the weekends. So we moved it to Saturday. And we just have a lot of fun. We basically do what we do at the Geek Meets, which is we talk about anything and everything. We give each other advice. If anyone's having a bit of a bad time, we just talk to each other. And we play online games. Just initially, you needed something there to keep, you, to keep, your, keep your mind active and just to keep your spirits up. Yeah. But 
now that we are gradually easing out and hopefully we'll be able to put COVID-19 behind us and so we, um, touch wood we are resuming our in-cafe meet at the end of July so it's at the end so fingers crossed we can actually do it that's so exciting yeah and a lot of the regular geeks who go to the cafe meets some of them they don't do the online meets which is fair enough they're not for everyone mm. and I think a lot of people just grew sick and tired of doing online meets because it was just constantly doing them yeah but yeah, we're going to get a few of the, well, hopefully a lot of the regulars um, who did come to the in-cafe meets come back. And speaking to the people who love doing the meets, they're really, they, they're so excited to come back. And it's the fact that we get to see each other again. We get yeah. to just hang out. We, just, we get to break out our cosplays again. Mm. And I think this has, made, this has made a big impact on our lives. And it's caused people to reflect and be grateful for the interactions we have, the friends we have, the family we have, yeah, exactly. and appreciate more what we've got. And you know, the fact that we've had that taken away from us. Humans are a very social species, and for us to not have that social, uh, social interactions in our lives, it's really done a number on a lot of people. I mean, for me, I'm used to being by myself, so it wasn't that bad. But at the same time, you do find that, you know, you, it, it's really awkward because, you know, you don't realize it's, I'd say the best way to say it is you don't know how much you're going to miss something until it's actually gone. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, I think this has been a wake-up call for a lot of people. As I, we said, there's a wonderful story that's connected to this. Yes. Told by Kath Edwards, who designed this storyteller. She's a local storyteller who's um, written this amazing story for us. I have to say, I do love the character of Princess Lynette, just as we're walking past her. Mm. And it's funny, seeing the brick version of the character, that's similar to how I saw her in my mind when I, when I heard the story, when I was listening to it. Mm. Uh, she is such a... For a lady made out of bricks, a princess made out of bricks, she's a very beautiful character. Oh, she is beautiful. And I, I love that she is the pr like the protagonist in the story and she's, um, you know, proper saving the day. Yes. Rather than the king or the knight. Yeah. So, so we're going to leave the castle now and, you know, try and leave our um, chicken wings behind. Move into the forest that she heads to. After you. And as you can see, there's... It's, Makes, it does make you feel like, I feel like the lighting and everything really brings it all together. And you get to see how they've been built, like, yeah. It's a pretty amazing feat. Sorry, I'm just awestruck by yeah. these incredible builds. They the are, music really brings yes. you And you've got that amazing well. backdrop of the, of the forest as well, which really ties it all in together. Yeah, it's, um, it's, beautiful beautiful and you get to see like Maddox and our lady hunter yes which, um, go girls yeah exactly like the story I think is so great because it is two um, women who are in charge and taking control and saving the the city and I think mm. and this and I just think that um this room really helps to bring that kind of atmosphere mm. of um the story together oh look here are the runes I think yeah, the stones well. they found. Wow. Um, it's just great that, like, it really brings all these characters to life um, and the story kind of 
really together yeah. being able to see all these um characters and like in like like actual in your height yes as well <laughs> you feel like you're actually part of the story and to see this this one set which is the the wizards when they're doing the wizard casting their magic casting sorry it's truly remarkable to see all the detail in the forest and the, the towers and just to see these characters brought to life in such a way when you hear a story uh, when you hear an audio book or an audio story it really brings your imagination to life and which is absolutely amazing especially with fantasy because fantasy it's magic it's beauty it's the unthinkable and to to picture that in your head is one thing but when you see visual representations like these brick displays it really brings the story to life in a really special way A lot of work goes into bringing together an exhibit like Brick Alive. And I caught up with one of our curators, Ollie McCall, to talk about Brick Live and how all these amazing statues were brought to the gallery. And also the process in creating this story that you can follow and that brings all the characters that are in the room to life. Hi Ollie, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be in the gallery today um, and uh, among, in amongst our fantasy kingdom um, creatures and models. Yeah, it was an absolute amazing thing to go see. Um, me and Maria absolutely were like, almost like taken aback by how <laughs> magical the room was like felt as we came in. We genuinely felt like we were transported into this amazing kingdom with all these amazing um, creatures. So just the thinking about it from uh, the creator's point of view, like how did these bricks kind of get to the gallery? Cause like mm -hmm. they're, they're heavy. <laughs> they are very heavy. Yeah. It's um, well, it's been a long time in the planning because uh, I think it was sort of 2019 when the, you know, we programmed in this exhibition. Um, the company who um, create the models, they're called Brick Live, and they do, uh, as well as this kind of fantasy themed exhibition, they do exhibitions of large scale models, life size models of um, animals, dinosaurs, all kinds of things. And they go to all kinds of places um, around the world. So um, we obviously have Fantasy Kingdom, um, which is, uh, as you know, kind of exhibition of models with a fantasy theme. So wizards and dragons and uh, griffins and princesses and hunters and all sorts. Um, but uh, in terms of kind of getting it to the gallery, um, I mean, the Brick Live team are really, you know, used to doing this kind of... Uh, kind of transport. We had all of the models arrive on a great big articulated lorry, I had to sort of close off part of the road at the back of the gallery because it wouldn't fit in our loading bay, which we normally use to kind of get uh, deliveries for artworks in. Um, it was quite different to our normal deliveries, you know, normally with art handling, you know, works are crated up and yeah. you have to kind of move them so carefully and meticulously off. With this, you kind of pulled back the sort of curtain at the side of the lorry and then you've got 
like a dragon head staring at you or princess or whatever looking back um and we basically used like a forklift truck to sort of uh shimmy them off the truck and then into mm. the gallery took them up up in the lift and um and kind of got underway with the install but it was a lot of fun because uh every car that went past was kind of slowing right down and stopping to take pictures of these unicorns and things as they were coming off so it was a good kind of bit of uh marketing for the exhibition i guess no definitely like you don't see a unicorn every day you in don't. Wolverhampton, or the crown jewels for that matter exactly and we so. have two wolves as well so they they were kind of perfect for um for the local audience yeah <laughs> it must be like what's going on there's two wolves <laughs> you know it must be like maybe it's like in the city because there was like loads of wolves in the city at one point yeah yeah so, exactly it was, um, and wolves. yeah exactly and i know that there's well we listened to the amazing story that is connected to the show um rec live and it, it like tracks all the way through all the, the three rooms mm-hmm. and um which is absolutely like amazing story and it brings the characters to life especially as they're like the same height as you and then you just like really feel as if they're talking to you while you're listening to it um and you worked on that with Kath Edwards to kind of bring that story to life so kind of how did that process of what creating that story um come about yeah so um I mean from the beginning we were keen to make the exhibition as immersive as possible and the original idea was to commission Kath Edwards, who's a Midlands-based uh, professional storyteller. She has loads of experience um, as, a, as a storyteller, and she's also an author. So she's written books on um, Warwickshire folk tales and um, kind of Midlands folklore. So um, I was aware of Kath because in a previous job at, at Icon Gallery in Birmingham. Um, the learning team there had worked with her uh, around a couple of exhibitions. So um, I thought it'd be great to get her in to originally to deliver some uh, live kind of storytelling sessions in the, yeah. in the gallery. Um, then obviously the pandemic came along and, uh, you know, so live events were out. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we were still keen to involve Kath. And so the idea kind of shifted into an audio guide that people can listen to. Um, so Kath came and visited the gallery. She was really keen to work on this with us because kind of folklore and fantasy is her specialism. Mm. And, um, you know, we walked around the galleries uh, as they were empty, but I got a kind of list of the models with images of the models we were having Um, and already she was you know kind of coming up with loads of great ideas for the story how we could um, center some of the characters that were kind of um, overlooked I guess because we had some text which uh, came with the models from from Brick Live but um, it was a bit kind of haphazard and Kath wanted to really shine a spotlight on the princess, on the hunter, um, on the dragon, of course. Um, We'd already decided that we were going to kind of um, theme the first room as the, as a sort of royal castle, royal court, with models, including the throne room and banqueting table that kind of reflected that. And then 
love the banqueting table. Yes, the banqueting <laughs> table, complete with little rats on the, on the top of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go into the forest where we have some of the more magical creatures and the wizard, the hunter is in there, the wolves, and then kind of finish with the dragon, which is a really large scale, impressive model. So we knew we wanted that to be the kind of finale for the exhibition. Um, so Kath kind of worked with, with that layout and created a story in three parts. Um, so in each room, visitors can kind of scan QR code on uh, signage on the wall and listen to the story uh, section for that room. And um, we wanted it to be, you know, the kind of thing that people can dip into. So um, you can, you know, the story's being kind of conceived of in a way that um, means that people can press pause at any time they can then pick it up at any time so you know and you can also go home and listen to it um you know at your leisure really after seeing the exhibition because you can access it still on our on our website so i mean it really is such a nice kind of story on its own anyway but having it with the models really hopefully brings them to life um it was fascinating kind of working with kath because um her process is so interesting she doesn't write um write the story down it's uh, she has she works from notes but as a kind of traditional storyteller it's more mm. about the kind of oral tradition of storytelling rather than writing it down so um yeah it was amazing to see her kind of work she also hadn't recorded a story ever before so um it was the first time that we went down to um Newhampton Art Centre in the studio and uh, and she recorded it but I think audiobooks should definitely be um, a new avenue for her to explore. Oh yes I feel great. like storytellers voices because they're so used to being able to like immerse you with just their voice I think yes. just amazing when you listen to the story like I listened to it before actually seeing it mm -hmm. um, and I was completely dragged in to it and I was so fascinated by what the story was mm -hmm. and then when I went in and then and then saw the show it was amazing to see it kind of brought to life as well and yeah. just like imagining what I would imagine and actually seeing it in life um and I love that there's two strong women like the whole way through there's all really strong women characters um which I think is great and I love that she just kind of went nope I'm gonna pick yeah. those 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 are the characters that they're the ones that we want to put um made interest yeah. definitely i think it was a really really important that we did that also the dragon of course is uh is a female dragon a, a mommy dragon she has all of her baby dragons with her um yeah. in her in her lair um and rather than have the dragon as this kind of ferocious monster mm. um you know that's kind of inverted so that she actually is um part of the solution in the end so yeah um you know she's kind of cast in a in a sort of benevolent way and Kath um was also keen to work in um I guess a bit of a metaphor for the pandemic and what's been happening you know yeah. all been going through so the kingdom is kind of beset by this uh plague of annoying flies that are buzzing around everybody and stopping them from doing their work so you know it's kind of a gentle nod towards gentle nudge. <laughs> you know what, not too strongly but just what what's been happening over the last couple of years which I think 
uh, young visitors will will really kind of relate to. Um, but the story has this really positive uh, resolution at the end as well. So um, it was wonderful recording with Kath. Uh, it was a Friday afternoon and myself and Ryan, who runs the studio, were just sat there. Like, what a great oh, afternoon. Every, every Friday afternoon should be storytelling. Oh, it should be. I agree. It's just, yeah, it's just, there's a sense of um, just like holistic, like calmingness mm. that's brought when you're listening to her, but also just like listening to the story as well. So told in such a magical way. Um, it really does bring you into the gallery space and bring you into like the kingdom that is, yeah. um, that you guys have created. Um, yeah. So last thing um yeah. uh, you go you made like you know it sounds it's such a great show and I remember being on on the on this reception and there was a, a little boy that came in and he's like what is this why have you got bricks and I went oh <laughs> because we've got this fantasy kingdom show and he went oh, this is a place I can get into bricks yes. on a display and I'm like yeah <laughs> yes. that's what we want <laughs> yeah I got, you. I got your back um out of all the pieces that is in the space at the moment, out of all the bricks, which one would you say is your like standout favorite one? Oh gosh, that's tough. Um, there's a couple that I really like. I think the dragon is like so impressive. Um, and we've also tried to sort of kind of theme the spaces using music and sound effects. So we've got really nice kind of medieval sort of fantasy inspired music in two of the rooms and then when you get to the dragon you you hear the dragon and um her eyes light up and everything so she's really impressive that model so um that is probably my favorite yeah yeah although we also have a selfie throne that people can sit on uh and have their pictures taken and i have done that <laughs> so it's that's nice as well people should have a go mm, feeling your royal power yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant yeah well i think everyone should definitely go see it and um the dragon at the end is definitely very impressive so um yeah well thank you for coming on right. and letting us know a bit more about how kind of the process of brick life came to be. That's all right, thank you. I know that you are an indie author yourself. That's right. Um, and you've written a, a book that's kind of similar to the story that we've been telling, the fantasy. So kind of, how did that kind of inspiration came about to write that story? Uh, this is gonna be an oddball one because the fantasy now, for me, fantasy has always been secondary to sci-fi and also the gothic genre, which was the first genre I really got into. And with the, with the fantasy writing, it came about, I had a ripped canvas, because I do a lot of painting in my free time when, when I can. I, mm. When I was younger, I used to do it all the time. These days, I'm that preoccupied with my writing. I don't get a chance to do much painting. But I had this canvas which got ripped, and it was a it was a decent sized canvas, and even though it was damaged, I thought, okay, I can still do something with this. So I started doing this painting by hand, and it turned into a dragon painting of these three dragons, this big mama dragon and the two and the two babies. And they're jumping out of the water. And when I was looking at it, I had I published my first book, which was set in the 1960s, based in Solio. Mm. It featured a little bulldog called Gruffy. And it's um, well, Gruffy's best friend is a young boy called Mark, and Mark created this fantasy world called Avalonord, 
And when I was looking at this painting I was doing with these three dragons, I got this idea of doing a fantasy book based on that, based on Mark's world, fictional realm of Avalonord. And I started writing, and that turned into a novel. And it's, the first draft needed some work. It was, you know, it was a bit ropey. Yeah, but then again, a first draft. Yeah, but a first draft. The thing I do say to new writers when people ask me for writing advice is just write. It doesn't matter how terrible it is because that first draft is worth its weight in gold because yeah. at least you've got a foundation to work with. That is the most terrible that that story is going to be and you can just build on that. Mm. And that's what happened with this fantasy idea. It became a story of these three dragons and they are told to run. Their grandmother unfortunately dies and the grandmother knows they're in danger so she sends them this, this message this powerful magical message via the storms where yeah. they live and sells them to run to go to Raljale, which is the waters of Raljale, which is where Lenaria, the lead dragon, is from originally. Mm. So she's heading on this incredible migration back to the waters where she was born with her two children, yeah. Neva and Solara. And the story focuses on that first part of the journey. It's who they meet on the way, and it's also external forces. Sound like a really like engaging, interesting story, and you can get that uh, now, isn't it? As a published yes, book, that it you is can a definitely get book. online. So um, there is uh, Tales of Avanord: Dragon's Descent, and that is available on Lulu and Amazon. Definitely go and check that one out. And you've got another one called Storm, uh, Storm Echo. Echo's Core. Yeah, the sci-fi book, uh, sci-fi being my main thing, that is Storm Echo's Call. Right. Storm Echoes Call is the first book in the Storm universe. Creating your own universe is pretty tough though. Like, how did you kind of inspire yourself to create this kind of world? Like, what was the inspirations behind it? Again, this was a roundabout way of me doing things, because... Um, <laughs> Writing it all down at once. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's worse than that. I'd, originally, I didn't believe I could write original sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And I believed that for years, that I couldn't do it. So. I was a fan fiction writer back when I was a teenager, yeah. and I believed that that was the best I could do, just play, playing about with other people's characters. I've been writing from a very young age. I've, since the age of six years old, I have been writing and creating. I yeah, love, that's great. Yeah, I love English literature. It was my favorite topic at school, along with science and geography, and I had such a fascination with it. But, um, but yeah, I didn't believe I could write my own original content. I could, didn't yeah. believe I could publish anything. Uh, that changed in 2017 because um, basically I, uh, the start of that year I lost my job mm -hmm. and I was trying to, you know, I was that focused on finding a new job. You know, I've got to find work, got to find work. Well, over a fortnight, this idea kept popping in my head, this sci-fi idea, and it kept getting stronger and stronger. And I kept dismissing it, but no, ignore it. It's not important. And it got to a point, I was watching one of my favorite YouTubers and he was doing a live stream on the 15th of February. He was talking about going in a new direction and not being afraid to take a chance. And I was thinking about this sci-fi idea. If I did it as a quick, as a quick short story, I can make a quick buck out of it. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's not. I won't say the exact words I used, but it was a <laughs> bit more expletive than that. But I started writing and uh, thinking it's a short story. It's you know, it's it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. That exploded on me and became this incredible universe, which I didn't even know I ex I could actually create. It was like whoa. I'm out of my depth here. I've never done anything quite like this. Creating the um, Avalonord was one thing, because that's actually a lot smaller, because it's more character-focused. 
But Storm's universe, it's absolutely momentous. It's like there's so many different elements to it. And just starting with the one character, with the lead character, and expanding out from her. And the lead character in the Storm universe is a senior field operative called Storm Delta Echo. Uh, Jack Winters is her name. Jack has been in Storm for about 20 years, so she's been around the block a few times. Uh, she commands the RPM-class Starship Suite Remedy, which is an all-rescue spacecraft. Uh, she has a packmate who's a younger packmate called uh, Storm India Juliet Harmony Alonso, who's mm. basically a younger version of Jack, who's a sports junkie. Yeah, always uh, have a good sidekick. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jack certainly needs one to keep her on her toes. Mm. And, as Jack's a bit of a live wire in that she is, she's brilliant, but she's crazy. Yeah. You know, for fun, what she likes to do, she's part of Storm's uh, Storm Connect program, which is basically their version of YouTube. And uh, she likes to blow up pastries for fun. So she <laughs> deliberately mixes explosive putty into pancakes and she does crazy things like that. But she's also a very serious character in that she's very dedicated to what she does and she is very passionate about helping others. This is what she believes in. It does stem from a bit of a tragic background. Her mother was killed on a space station her family lived on. It was, it was a fault with the environmental systems and it was a big disaster. Her, Jack and her dad survived. Her dad joined Storm and Jack ultimately followed him into Storm as well. Yeah. And from there, she became the galaxy's favorite hero not by choice, mind. Um, she got into, there was an incident involving a sports star. Uh, uh, he was doing a sport, uh, press conference and Jack had just happened to be walking past, going for a breakfast. The, some of the children there recognised her, started giving her attention, asking for photos. The sports star gets jealous, goes over to confront her and Jack's not too happy about it. So she breaks his nose and arrests him. And that turns Jack into a globe, into an intergalactic celebrity. Oh, Corey, crying <laughs> with a scandal. Yeah. Always good when there's a, there's a backstory yeah. as well to the, to yeah. the character. So she is a much beloved character in the galaxy. She's the galaxy's favourite hero, is her, um, is her adopted motto. Not by choice, mind. She's quite mm. happy. You know, she's not a fan of the, all the press attention. She acknowledges it and she, she likes to make children smile. That's why she does the blog she does. But like I said, she is a very serious person, uh, sentient to use the term, because there's lots of different intelligent races that aren't just humanoid based yeah. in, the, in the Delphinus galaxy where Storm operate. Mm. And with Jack, with her first mission, which is what we see her on in Storm Echo's Call, the first yeah. Storm book, she's initially, she's just following these endangered levee whales, these space whales. And unfortunately, they take a wrong turn into a planet's atmosphere, which is toxic to them. And Jack has to follow them in, except her Starship Suite Remedy isn't designed to handle that planet's atmosphere. So she has to hastily modify it. She's also on this mission with her best friend, one of her best friends, Kel, who is Storm Sierra Tango with his yeah. trainee, uh, Teresa, Storm uh, Brava Victor. So their starship is a bit larger. It's a Discovery class. It's graceful. It's called Graceful Angel. It's a bit bigger. It's a bit more sturdy. So they modify that first. It goes in, fails. It can't find the levy wells, which is a one in a million shot. And now it's Jack's turn with Sweet Remedy. And the book covers Jack's attempts to find these levy wells, whilst also trying to survive this planet as well. The Storm universe, because people are probably wondering what Storm is now. Uh, Storm is a quasi-rescue military organization who are the backbone of the Delphinus galaxy, which is one of our neighboring galaxies in fiction. Yeah. 
And STORM, it's an acronym. It stands for Strategic Tactical Ordnance Rescue Mercenary. And it's field operatives. And they go out across the galaxy and help where they need to. STORM is the backup organization. So in the event there's a cosmic disaster, the STORM becomes the de facto command organization. But they, yeah. And they also help other forces and other organizations when they're needed. So they're there in the event of an absolute emergency. And this is the reason why they were created in the first place, because there was a massive solar storm which did a huge amount of damage across the Delphinus galaxy. Communication was identified as one of the weak points and yeah. why so many people died. So this is why Storm was created. But they assist with all kinds of course. They, they do rescue missions, they help on medical emergencies, they help cats stuck in trees if need be, they assist with scientific uh, research missions, they do routine call-outs to stations that are really far in deep space, yeah. and they check out the stuff in between. Very so, interesting. Yeah, and they are really multi-talented, these operatives are. Storm has several different branches, so the, with these branches, all these operatives, they have a core focus. So they've got the Storm Command Field operatives who are basically jacks of all trades. They, they can do absolutely anything. You've got Storm... Um, You've got Storm Medical, who are more the medically trained operatives. Uh, they can still do what the all-rounders can do, the Mercies can do, but they've got more medical expertise as a rule. Uh, staying with Storm Engineering, their field operatives are more engineering inclined. Storm Military are typically ex-military officers or personnel who join Storm for a new career. And it's because they've got that military mindset, they become the Millies, but at the same time, they can still do what all the other operatives can do the proper like department you've created as well which is like you know it's hard enough to kind of create department like right now but like you've been able to create a whole entire universe of just continuous um departments and roles and like i can see like lots of different characters kind of building off that and it would be like a really exciting and kind of world to like delve yourself into um which is it sounds it sounds amazing um and i obviously it sounds it's, it's a series as well so it's gonna you just can keep going yeah. exactly it just sounds it sounds absolutely incredible one thing i will say is though and i will say this to any writer your writing is not insignificant yeah. so don't compare yourself to another writer because you don't know what they've been through and at yeah. the end of the day your writing that's your baby that's your project and you should take pride in that because only you could have created that Exactly, like, it's kind of the same with this kind of, I guess it's a little bit less of a universe they've created, but what CAF has done, I think, is very similar to your um, fantasy story. It's very character-based, and I guess that's kind of what works really well for it, is that it's a character-based um, show. She took the characters that we had on display and be able to build this amazing world at it with a very fun little end to the show which leading off into this last room of brick live is wow. this very impressive the mummy dragon oh she's so amazing i know Absolutely i i love the little dragons i want That's to take so one cute. home i keep saying how i want to take one home especially <laughs> like the purple one i just want to sit it in my house Aww. but i also saw that it takes like 20 hours to build. yes I went, okay, maybe, maybe I'll leave it. Yeah, and each of these baby dragons is five kilograms on their own, so hopefully you've done the ways at the gym if you want to take one home. But. Yeah, exactly. And it, you can just hear it now, the growling. I think we should step really. back.
Yeah, I think... Leave her alone. I think she heard me about her. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think she approves of you taking one of her babies. Yeah, I'm not going to, obviously not. But did you imagine... Yes, I did actually. Mm. It's a very European mm. version of a, a dragon Absolutely. as well. Um, and I also love the uh, like words on the... Did you know that you notice as yeah. well that kind of like really brings this whole entire dragon yeah. to life. It says ingrain, which is the dragon thing. Yeah. Guards her young whelps closely and if people approach her baby, she tries to frighten them away by flashing her eyes and breathing smoke. Um, that definitely happened to me as I got too close to the baby. Yes, <laughs> she definitely flashed her eyes at you and she's definitely started growling as well. Yeah, she definitely started growling when I started talking about it. So she can hear... You can definitely yeah. hear. Look at those those red eyes. Yeah, they are piercing. Yeah. Piercing. They are incredible. It's a great end as well. I think it's really mm. impactful. Um, end. And we also have some amazing take, like activities that um, people can come to do when they arrive. They're little treasure chests. So you can even build your own brick treasure chest as well, which is pretty fun if you're coming with a little one as well so that's um that is brick live um it's what do you think of the show as a whole i think it's fantastic it's going to ignite a lot of imagination not just with children but with adults as well and it's great to have something like this in wolverhampton after everything we've been through with the lockdown it's great to have something that people can really engage with and interact with on this level. And the fact that they get to actually build something of their own right at the end as well, it's nice to take, a, take away a piece of that, of that experience, and you've got that little memento. And especially with children, you know, they've, they've missed out on so much of their childhoods because of the lockdown. So to do something like this, to see something like this and engage with it, it's gonna really help them, I think, and hopefully bring a few children out of their shelves if they've gone quite quiet or they're quite shy. Because this is something that, if you listen to the audio story and then you come here and see the exhibits, it really brings them to life in, in such a, a beautiful and magical way. So my final question, just to kick everything off, is what do you think about Wolves cultural offer going forward now that we're coming out of the pandemic? What do you kind of hope for Wolverhampton? Well, based in my judgment and what I've seen uh, as part of the exhibit, all I can think of is, wow, we've got some serious talent in this city. And it would definitely be great to see more of that. Obviously, I'm doing my little piece with what I've created with Storm, and hopefully that takes off really well. And it's, uh, I mean, from what I've seen as well with the geek meets, and I've seen how talented a number of the geeks are with their artwork, with their illustrations, with their cosplays. It, even if it's fan-based, it still counts because yeah, it is an art form and it's expressing that art form. And hopefully we see a lot more of it. You're part of our fantasy weekend that's happening at the end of July to kind of yep. bring in this fantastical feeling that we have with the Brick Live show. And um, you're do are you doing one of the geek meets here in the gallery? Yep, I'm gonna be there. I don't know which of the geeks are gonna be joining me, but I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna be set up, I'm gonna bring a small selection of things that I normally put on the table at our geek meet at Katie's Cakes. And 
we're just going to just show people this is what we do if you want to join us you know feel free if you want to just sit down with us and talk geek for a, for a few minutes yeah by all means i say that there's no obligation with the geek meets you just show up if you want to if you if you don't if you think no oh, i don't feel safe at the moment like we totally understand i you know i totally understand and it's all about having fun at the end of the day and i am really excited to show what the keep meets all about in the in the fantasy event and also it'd just be nice to see people again yeah. so no it's nice to have an outing yeah no it's great well we can't um wait to have the geek meet here in the gallery and um obviously if you're in the gallery when that's happening um, please do say hello to maria um, thank you so much for coming in and seeing Brick Live and being discussing it and telling me all about all the great work you're doing in the city. So may it continue. And good luck to Brick Life as well. It looks like an amazing exhibit. So fingers crossed that people enjoy it and people uh, take an interest in, in what they're seeing and hope they get some imaginations flying. Thank fingers you. crossed. Yeah. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Maria um, as we explored Fantasy Kingdom, which is currently open in the gallery, is has been open since the beginning of July and will be running all the way to the 5th of September. It was so great to get to see the gallery with her and explore this amazing world that our creators and Brick Live have been able to bring to Wolverhampton. As mentioned in our discussion, we are running a sci-fi fantasy Saturday on the 31st of July from 11 o'clock to 3 p.m. There you'll be able to meet Maria herself and experience the geek meets that she has set up in the city. Alongside that, we have an amazing program of events with live anime being led by Joel Kelly, who'll be creating original anime artwork throughout the day. There'll be C21, who is a costuming group that celebrate the retro-futuristic world of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. And they'll be there as well to do some meet and greets with the costume members. And also Wolverhampton Amateur Radio Society will be there to teach some Morse code and we also have a fantasy craft activity to take away where you can make your own paper train dragons so you can bring a little bit of the fantasy kingdom away with you it's going to be an amazing day so do sign up online or come down on the 31st of july to the art gallery to be able to experience our sci-fi fantasy saturday that we've organized for you also happening this summer, we have our family fun program of events at Bantock House, um, where there is each week there'll be a different craft activity for you to do with all the family together. And we also have our bodiless sessions, both at Bilston and Bantock, which is a session for early years to explore creative play and um, imagination and their imagination. So there's a amazing range of program of amazing learning and summer activities for everyone to engage with this summer. So we have so much going on at the art gallery. So please do head to our website and go to what's on and you can see everything that's happening in the gallery, how to get your tickets to Brick Live, 
and also how to register for our amazing summer program of events. So there's lots going on in Wolverhampton this summer. Thank you for tuning in and listening to my conversation with Maria Gray and exploring a fantasy kingdom with me. Until next month, I hope you guys are all great and I'll speak to you all then. Bye.